Modern Pleasure Podcast is sponsored by Adam and Eve. Lean in to your sexual curiosities. Are you ready? Because it's about to get real. Modern Pleasure answers the questions about sex that you've always wanted to ask, but didn't. So the whole narrative is filled with this pressure. It's like a pressure valve. I must fit the narrative to feel like I'm a good lover versus F the narrative, right? Like the narrative only serves a small portion of our sexuality if we can even fit into it. And even if we can fit into it, sometimes it feels like a transaction because I'm just getting to that orgasm to check that box versus I'm gonna just linger in the pleasure. And maybe the pleasure is a quickie and maybe the pleasure is an hour. But if we put the pleasure first versus the performance or the pressure first, it's a really different type of sex we're having. Welcome to Modern Pleasure. I'm Kim Kay, and our podcast is sponsored by Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve, if you've not heard about Adam and Eve, then you should definitely check them out because they've got all the good stuff. Go to adamandeve.com and you can get 50% off right now plus free shipping. And all you have to do is use code MODERN at checkout. It's that easy. MODERN, M-O-D-E-R-N at checkout, and you'll get 50% off. But that's not all. You're also going to get three bonus items and six movies. And don't forget that free shipping. So no matter what you choose, it's all going to be packaged very discreetly and set for free when you go to adamandeve.com. Select any item, use the code MODERN, M-O-D-E-R-N. And this is an exclusive offer specific to listeners of Modern Pleasure. So be sure to support us. Go to adamandeve.com right now and use the code MODERN to get 50% off and 100% free shipping. Like to welcome our sexpert, Dr. Jenny Schuyler. Is that what they call you, Jenny? They call you a sexpert? Or am I just calling you that? <laughs> I have many labels. Sometimes it's resident expert. Sometimes it's sexpert. If you're combining this, sometimes it's just the resident sex therapist, resident sexologist. Uh, I answer to all of it. <laughs> Wow. So so these titles must play a couple of different roles, maybe, am I thinking? No, they all play the same role. I think it's just people's comfort with different vocabulary. Oh, okay. That's really interesting. So um, Modern Pleasure is something that we've been working on for quite a while. And it's, uh, it's a program that is going to get into that real discussion of all things sex. And when I mean all things, we're going to be getting down and diving into some good stuff. And I'm super excited about that. Um, Jenny, tell me a little bit about your expertise. What is it that makes you um, this expert in this this subject? And, and how many people have you been helping throughout the years? Fill us in a little bit on who you are and why you do what you do. Um, sure. I've been with Adam and Eve as the resident expert or sexpert for four years. I believe that's right. I think it's about four years, a little plus. And I've been a certified sex therapist for, oh, I don't even know how many years, probably a decade. I've been in private practice with the Intimacy Institute, which is my first baby, my first business. And that's been about 12 years. And basically, I'm an ASECT certified sex therapist. So that's the Association of Sex Educators 
counselors, and therapists. And I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. So what I do in my private practice is I really combine clinical sex therapy with relationship therapy. I see individuals and couples. And actually, I work with my husband, so he does the same thing I do. Oh, no kidding. So you guys both do the same thing? Yes, we do. Oh. He has a different clientele. Uh, He sees more men, more men with like out-of-control sexual behaviors or masculinity issues, certainly erection and ejaculation issues. I see a lot more women with um, painful intercourse, anorgasmia, desire discrepancy stuff. And then we both see a lot of couples. So we've been helping people, thousands of people. We have a couple's retreat. We've put our couple's retreat onto a video course. Um, we, we're just really engaged in that world, both educationally and therapeutically. So it's safe to say that you have heard it all. <laughs> yes. We used to do training for, for sex therapy, too. So we would train sex therapists when they were newbies in the field to really get acclimated and comfortable on a personal level first with the diversity of sexuality out there and possible. So if somebody walks into your office with something unique or unconventional, you don't have your jaw hit the ground. You go, oh, okay. That's... You get trained in this. Yes. So nothing is too surprising. Well, nothing is surprising to me at any point anymore. I've I've seen and heard it all. So, you know, that that's fine. And I kind of love the diversity and the unconventional stuff. But a lot of therapists, you know, they get to their edges sometimes with some of those more edgy pieces. So it's really just knowing your own edges so that you attract the population that you know to serve best. So what what drove you to this profession? I mean, who who wakes up one day and says, I'm going to be a sex therapist? <laughs> um, well, that's a good question. I think there's sort of a blended answer. My my childhood was I was I'm a, I'm a child of a divorced couple, and my dad really raised me, and he's a medical doctor, and so he really wanted me to understand the world very clinically and medically. So he had all the sex education books at home. We had all the books for every subject at home to include sex. So I just thought it was another run of the mill subject, and you know, it's just another topic on the table, kind of literally, except that it wasn't a topic on the table for other people. So they would gravitate to my house to read my books and ask me questions. And I sort of became the Dr. Ruth of my friends in high school. <laughs> oh my and gosh, there's a label. <laughs> um, you know, but then the other side of the story is, you know, my parents were divorced because my mom struggled with drugs. She struggled with drugs because she had a really tricky childhood with um, really with child sexual abuse, mm. which really destroyed her sexuality. And that part of my profession, I'm really inspired and, you know, desired to help people reclaim their sexuality, to reclaim their pleasure and their, and, and give themselves that permission for pleasure, especially in the face of overcoming abuse and surviving from that. So she's also my inspiration as well. So I have this like duality of like just a lot of information and becoming familiar with it and becoming that that familiar place that people would come to and knowing that this was not something my mother ever was able to enjoy. I want to be able to help people enjoy this. Wow. That's, that's amazing. So uh, my role in this is that I really have a lot of questions. Um, I let's, let's just dissect me for a second here. And I really don't want to get too far into it because we could go on for hours. 
But I, you know, have never been a highly sexual person. And I think it goes back to my childhood where I never suffered any kind of abuse or anything like that. But I did catch my parents in the act one time and it didn't turn out well for me. And so, you know, I mean, it was just one of those things where you you hear these noises. I was probably like seven or something. And I'm like, wow, what's going on in there? And kind of, you know, peeked in the door. And my dad wasn't happy about that at all because I screamed. I thought he was, you know, hurting her. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is going on in here? And I think it really embarrassed my dad. And I got in trouble. You know, it's like you need to go to your room you need to not you need to learn how to knock on doors and and it was and I was punished and I never got that explanation of what was really going on and I think it sort of repressed that feeling of uh you know feeling free about sex and and it being okay instead I think I grew up going oh this isn't okay <laughs> You know, there's yeah. something very wrong with you that you're not supposed to know about. And I think that is a is a of course, when I was younger, you know, in my 20s, who isn't, you know, having fun and you don't think about it in those terms. I've been married now for 19 years. So sex is a much different thing for me. Um, mm-hmm. My husband would like me to be that 20 year old you know, person who was free and didn't care. But it's, I, I think for me and my role in this program is that I feel like I have the same questions that a lot of other women and maybe even men do because I'm getting them from my husband about sex. There are so many variables, right? I mean, it is a broad freaking subject, and mm-hmm. and so why Modern Pleasure Podcast? I think we decided that out of all of the different uh, programs that I've heard of with sex or listened to, I felt like there was a lot of clinical discussion and not enough raw answers, not enough real answers, real, real questions, real people, real problems, and a real discussion about it. And I want it to be uh, as as natural of a conversation as, you know, I would have sitting around with my girlfriends. And sometimes those conversations can be extremely hysterical and sometimes they can be a bit troubling, you know, because it it I think you have to get a little vulnerable in these conversations. So that's what we're hoping for. And I think we're starting Modern Pleasure off right with the big bad narrative of good sex. And so I think there is that, you know, question, uh, what is good sex? How do you define good sex? How do you know if you're having good sex? You know, I mean, I think I would know. But good sex to me might not be the same as good sex for somebody else, right? So exactly. Correct. And, and, and that is why the narrative doesn't serve us, because we can't all fit into it. Right. So where do we start here? Um, do you do, should I just a- ask the question of what is uh, what is what do most people think good sex is? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, the, the title speaks for itself, right? The narrative where we have a social narrative of what counts as good sex, or I would say, Kim, even what counts as sex, forget even good sex. And that narrative um, 
is very exclusionary, right? There's not an include. There, there's not a lot of people that can fit into that in terms of inclusivity, and there's not a lot of uh, activities that fit into this. So the narrative, and you sort of see it in Hollywood, and you see it in social media, and you you just sort of see it perpetuated, sort of unconsciously and consciously. But the narrative is this: man, woman, so genital A, right, a vagina, with which is the canal of the vulva has penetration from okay, penis. Wait, wait, wait. I'm going to stop you. The yeah. vagina is the canal to the vulva. Right. So the vulva. <laughs> I love Eve Ensler. I was in her monologue in college. I got to write my own monologue on female pleasure. It was the best experience for me. However, it is not the vagina monologues. It's, I think it should have been the vulva monologues. The vulva is the female genitals, the inner labia, the outer labia, the mons pubes, Okay. The clitoris, the clitoral hood. Would you like a visual? Yeah. Well, we've all heard about the clitoris. We all know about the clitoris, but nobody talks about the vulva. Oh, look at this. Is that a pillow? It's a pillow. <laughs> yes, it's a pillow. This is in your hometown. Well, you know, your state. This is in California. They have the wondrous vulva puppet. Maybe they can be a sponsor now, too. This is a puppet? So- Oh this my is a God. puppet. You can put your hands in it. But I love to do this anatomy because, yes, the vulva is the entire genital. So outer labia, inner labia, clitoris, clitoral hood. The vagina is the canal, right? The, the, the vagina is is where babies come out. The vagina is where toys, fingers, penis, you know, any object can go in, right? There's a, there's a space where we can kind of dissect the G spot. There's a space down there for the A spot. There's a lot of like intricacies of the pelvic floor. But I say vulva because it's the entire genitals. Oh, okay. See, I didn't pay attention in sex education. Well, they didn't really have sex <laughs> education when I was in school. So no wonder I didn't know about the vulva. So, okay, this is fascinating. So you've got this uh, this pillow this pillow vulva puppet and and you use that i mean okay i've heard i've we've all done the mirror thing right all looking at our genitals in the mirror to kind of see for us it's a very difficult thing to do because it's very complex for guys they see it all the time so i never really thought about it in those terms but that makes a lot of sense and i think understanding all the pieces that go into that little uh, vulva puzzle would probably help in terms of pleasure, right? Oh, I teach my couples all the time the actual anatomy. Sherry Winston calls us the anatomy of arousal, but it's the, if we know the anatomy of our parts, then we know how to touch them and how to lick them and how to kiss them and 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 the good pace to engage them in. So this comes us full brings us full circle to the narrative. The narrative is we have penis vagina intercourse, right? Yeah. And it's penetration. And I'm going to use that word carefully because there's a different way to think about it, too, besides penetrating into versus absorbing, absorbing your lover versus penetrating your lover. So there's different ways to think it. Some people want penetration. They want that carnal yum. And some people want that sort of slow absorption. Either works, right? My whole MO is have the diversity of options on the table so that you get to choose without having to judge any of the options. Um, but it's penis vagina intercourse. So it leaves out a lot of people who don't have that kind of well identity. And it does leaves out a lot of people who want to have other kinds of sex and oral sex, anal sex, manual stimulation, mutual masturbation, right? It doesn't include the diversity of activities that we can engage in. And so 
the other piece of the narrative is we must get to this point, otherwise sex has failed. And we must also both have an orgasm and in Hollywood at the same time. Right. So the narrative penis goes into vagina all in all of 90 seconds because foreplay doesn't really exist. And if it does, it's like 90 seconds to two minutes, which is really inadequate for most people. Yeah. And then we have this intercourse. We're supposed to have this magical simultaneous orgasm. And then we feel successful. And if we don't fit into that narrative, right, if we have painful intercourse, if we have ejaculation issues and come too quickly, if we lose our erection, if we don't have an orgasm for whatever reason, then we feel like we failed. And then we failed the narrative. So the whole narrative is filled with this pressure. It's like a pressure valve. I must fit the narrative to feel like I'm a good lover versus F the narrative, right? Like the narrative only serves a small portion of our sexuality if we can even fit into it. And even if we can fit into it, sometimes it feels like a transaction because I'm just getting to that orgasm to check that box versus I'm going to just linger in the pleasure. And maybe the pleasure is a quickie and maybe the pleasure is an hour. But if we put the pleasure first versus the performance or the pressure first, it's a really type of diff- different type of sex we're having. Yeah, and I definitely can uh, relate to that, um, especially going through menopause, being an older woman, having no libido. I mean, and I know we're going to get into a ton of discussions about this in other in other uh, episodes, but I, <laughs> I have a funny story. It's not really funny, it, or maybe it is. Who knows? My husband is very sexual. You know, he's this Latin guy, right? So he's got a lot of sexual uh, feelings uh, about everything. And um, and I'm I'm not as sexual. So there's definitely a little bit of a, a skewed dynamic there between us when it comes to sex. And he's got this little Kama Sutra book. It's like this little pocket Kama Sutra book. I have no idea where he got it. He's had it forever. But he'll literally put it into a he'll he'll open it up to a position and put it on my nightstand or my bed pillow and I'll go into the bedroom and I'll see this position that there is no way in hell I'm ever going to get into (laughs) you know I mean even if I wanted to I don't think I could (laughs) anymore but he he has this vision in his head that this is what our sex needs to be. And, you know, he's got all this. He's got a whole different vision of what sex should be like than I do. And this definitely can cause some problems. And I know I'm not the only person that feels this way. And mm-hmm. and I think that there has to be a, a, a way to learn how to communicate what it is that we want Without saying, well, you know, Kim's raising her hand here. I just want a quickie and I don't care if I have an orgasm. <laughs> you know, I want to make you happy and we'll be fine because when you have an orgasm, honey, you are so much more fun to deal with on a regular basis. Right. And I'm good with it because the lib- the libido for me isn't there as much as it used to be, right? And I know that that's not okay. I know that that needs to change, and we definitely are working on that. Well, but- hold on. Says who? Now we're now you're playing into the narrative. Oh wow, you're good. I am, aren't I? Well, there's two pieces to your narrative. Just to challenge for a moment. One is that you're not sexual because you don't have as high a libido. 
you are certainly sexual. Your arousal may be more elusive because you're a woman or a woman in, you know, in, in, in midlife. And that makes sense that your arousal is more elusive, but that doesn't dilute your sexuality. And oh. that you have some requirement to have a higher libido or a higher sex drive. That's not really a clinical term, but the, the, the pressure to have a higher sex drive is, is the narrative that we perpetuate versus what's wrong with having whatever sex drive you have. Well, that makes me feel better. <laughs> so how, but I don't know if it'd make my husband feel better, you know? Well, well, but he has different needs than you do. So as a couple, it's not actually adhering to the social narrative for either person that works for the couple. It's co-creating your unique narrative as a couple. What works for both of you? I mean, this is my job. This is what yeah. I do with couples. Is that the, the biggest topic that comes in is this discrepancy between people's libidos. And so we have to co-create a new narrative that works for both people, which is really actually dissecting what does sex mean to you and what are the needs underneath it. It's not just putting your penis somewhere and having an orgasm. That's actually kind of mundane and, and, and not that satisfying. So, so we want to actually dissect what is it about sex that is driving him and what is sexy about it and what do the Kama Sutra positions mean, <laughs> right? And yeah. we also want to dissect like what do you need, right? And, and it might be what do you not need, you know? Do you not need as much push and as much pressure? And so it is actually the, the, the narrative of good sex is the co-creation for each couple uniquely. So let's go back to the term normal. So sure. when when we're talking about normal sex or good sex or uh, defining what that is, is there a consensus of of people that rate higher, you know, on a on a percentage basis of this is what's normal based on this amount of people? I mean, I, I'm sure it's different for everybody, but I think. When you're comparing, and I don't even know if that's a good idea or not, probably not, but what if you're comparing what your sexual needs are or arousal needs are compared to everybody else? How do you, how do you stop? I think that stops me because I feel like I'm not, you know, and I, and I, know, I know I'm not alone here. Mm-hmm. I mean, comparison is the fastest way to dissatisfaction. <laughs> God. I'm going to I'm going to leave this program going <laughs> who the hell am I anyway? <laughs> no, I I I'm, I'm, I'm kind of liking where we're going. I mean, you know, hey, if I'm going to find myself, let's do it. But but it is what you're saying is it's actually giving me permission to feel the way that I do. So, you know, if I'm not alone in this, anybody who's listening, you have permission to feel exactly the way you do about sex, right? Mm-hmm. Some people identify as asexual, right? They that that is that is how they prefer to operate in the world, you know, absent of of interacting sexually with other people or or feeling sexual arousal and sexual desire. And there's a diff- there's a spectrum of asexual too, and some people have a very high drive and a high curiosity and a high tolerance for adventure. I mean, both can coexist at the same time. Those two people in one marriage, it's a struggle. <laughs> yeah. But um, 
it, it works. I mean, it, it, we can make it work. Again, it's compromising. Um, it's finding the compromise for that unique narrative. But what is normal, Kim, is a beautiful question, right? There's a there's a book that Emily Nagowski, she's a sex researcher, wrote around, it's called Come As You Are. And the whole premise of her book, which is the whole premise of our sex therapy and sex research field, and has been for years, even before her book, is this. It is all normal. It is all beautiful and acceptable, as long as there's consent. So, so in my book, it's like, you know, two people can do whatever they want. And does it look like the neighbors? No. One couple might be having, you know, really vivacious anal sex and the other couple is tying each other up and the other couple's having a missionary vanilla position. All three couples can be normal as long as all six people are having a consensual time. And by that, it's like, you know, partner A may be having a pleasure of like, nah, you know, I'm having a nice time. It's like a five. <laughs> and the other a 10, but, there's, but that's okay. You don't have to have the same amount of pleasure at the same time for the same activity. That's totally fine, right? Yeah. Sometimes I enjoy the cuddling after with my husband more than, you know, the actual um, intercourse piece. You know? Right. Which I think also leads us to that question between sexual and sensual, right? I mean, or intimacy for that matter. Um, I try to tell my husband all the time, he thinks being intimate is, you know, having sex. <laughs> like, no, that's not it. I'm pretty sure that there's more to it, uh, you know. And listen, I don't want to sound like we are just a horrible, you know, sexual couple because we have fun. There's been moments, um, but on a regular basis, you know, uh, how much sex do we have uh, in terms of how much, you know, somebody else might have it? It might not be enough. My husband would like to have it twice a day. That's not going to happen. But so there are all these, I think, uh, in terms of men, and, and I don't know, you know, anything other than what I deal with with my husband and what I've done uh, dealt with in past relationships. But I think men put a higher price on sex than women do, right? It's very, it's such an important thing to them. And it does make them feel very masculine. It makes them feel wanted. There's, there's a psychological part as far as I can tell or what my experience has been in where men definitely carry a psychological um, Can I offer that might be the narrative that is perpetuated? <laughs> there we go with that word narrative again. <laughs> well, it's, that's a narrative and that's a, it's a dangerous narrative. Men, it's a catch-all, right? We're just going to dump all men into having a high sex drive. I've got plenty who don't. I got We're going to dump all men into wanting lots of ejaculation. A lot of men don't. I've got some that can't ejaculate with delayed ejaculation. You know, we'll dump all men into, you know, having sex be the only place that they know how to be intimate. Now, are there parts of this narrative that are worth dissecting for their utility? Absolutely. And and does your husband participate in the narrative because that's the narrative and it's so seductive? Probably, but it doesn't mean that it's totally true. Yeah, and and I don't think that it's true for him to pass on a narrative on me either. Like, you know, having sex once a week isn't normal, honey. We should be having it two or three times a week. Uh, you know, hence the Kama Sutra, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, open on my pillow at, you know, sometimes at lunch when I come in. <laughs> yeah. 
But rather than him say it's not normal to have it once a week, because that could be normal for some couples, and once a day could be normal for some couples, and once a month could be normal for some couples, and once a year could be normal for some couples, right? It's, hey, honey, I would love, right? Here's my request. Here's my need. I would love to have sex twice, three times a week. And maybe you say, well, I, I don't really have the bandwidth for intercourse, but let's get creative and talk about what that could look like. Yeah. So putting a different, putting it in a different context, it doesn't have to be, you know, <clears throat> because yeah, intercourse can be painful for women, especially going through, you know, menopause or midlife. Um, and, and I've, you know, I've actually had, I'm going to be real open and honest here. I've actually had stuff done where it, you know, plumps it up a little bit so that it doesn't hurt anymore. And that definitely helps, but it doesn't help the libido. Yeah. Well, that's because that has has to do with the biggest sex organ, which is our brain. (laughs) What turns on the body and what turns on the brain? What turns on the body is our arousal. So we really want to tend to that. And if that's more elusive, which it is, it can be for women, we just do not have as much testosterone flowing through our body, right? So arousal for for those with of us with less testosterone, arousal can be more elusive. Arou- testosterone is like that gas fireplace. It's like right here. I'm going to remind you that I could just pop on with an easy button. But if testosterone is low in the human being, and a lot of men have low testosterone, so that that's a factor too in terms of their whole physiology if testosterone is low, arousal just takes longer to access. It doesn't mean it's bye-bye. It just is longer to access. So we need more touch, more kissing, more stimulation, more sensation. So sensation in the brain. The brain is a big component too, right? So if we have a lot of messages and narratives that block us from our permission, right? If they come from religion, family of origin, whatever those like Emily Emily Nagowski calls it the breaks, right? I like that narrative. Like what are the, one of the breaks what are the stops in our brain that go, yeah, this is, I'm not allowing this up. I don't, right. I'm not going to like allow myself to just linger in this pleasure. And they're not always conscious narratives. Um, but when we're aware of them and we bring them to consciousness, then we get to work with them differently, but they do get in the way, right? Our brain gets in the way of, of our sexuality. It can get in the way. I think it gets in the way of a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Well, if you've just joined us, you're listening to Modern Pleasure. I'm Kim K with Dr. Jenny Schuyler. We've been uh, dissecting my uh, my issues in the bedroom, which I wasn't really prepared for. But um, I have to be honest, I'm feeling just having this brief conversation with you. I'm feeling much better about my position here. <laughs> When it comes to sex, you know, I mean, because I think that's a big part of it. You know, I feel guilty that I'm not being as, you know, quote unquote sexual as my husband would like me to be or, you know, having sex as much as he'd he'd like it or even defining sex the way he defines it. And what I'm hearing from you is that my definition of sex and his definition of sex does not have to be the same for it to work. Correct. And nor does your frequency, right? If he wants to ejaculate five times a week, how many of those ejaculations can be with his own self-pleasure practice? How many are through intercourse? And how many are maybe like, you know, 
you hang out in the shower, you soap up together, and then he finishes his with his hands. Well, you, at, you, our, at our age, we'd be afraid that we'd fall and slip in the shower, and it yeah. would be a devastating outcome. <laughs> yeah, that works. You know, wherever. You know, we're at that point where we're going to have to start putting plastic on the bottom of the tub so that we don't, you know, fall <laughs> getting out. Yeah. Good. Around. A lot of people have to work with their changing bodies and yes. abilities and illness. I mean, that's a huge piece. My cancer patients, it's a whole new normal. Absolutely. So, so put that plastic down. Great. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> well, okay. So you've, you've been uh, a spokesperson or, or working with Adam and Eve for a long time. When we're talking about uh, like, I might, okay. I'm going to talk about toys here for just a second because, and my poor husband, when he hears this, oh my gosh, what am I going to be in for? But you know, it's okay. It's okay. He knew that this was, he knew that this might happen, but I've always enjoyed the little, what they used to call the little bullets, you know, the little things that I could actually, you know, take with me. Actually, I, I enjoy masturbation. I love using toys and stuff like that. Sometimes I like it better than having sex with my husband. Don't ask me why, but it's easier, right? There's no pressure. There's no pressure. That's it. That's the narrative, Kim. And that's why it's a bad narrative, right? The narrative is I must perform sex, right? And then we play into the narrative. The narrative is we must look a certain way. We must do a certain activity. We must have this certain style of intercourse and look okay doing it. And then we must have this orgasm. I mean, that whole narrative, I get anxious saying it because there's so much pressure filled into it. That's That's the problem. Get rid of this narrative. Make your own. I want to talk to you about your experience with Adam and Eve. What I love about working with Adam and Eve, and by the way, if you're listening, you know, Go buy a toy right now and you get 50% off using our modern code. So, you know, there's a little plug for them there. But the, the truth is really the reason I love them and the reason I said yes to to collaborating with them is because they put pleasure first. And I'm a big fan of having toys in the bedroom and I'm a big fan of find, finding the right toy for you. Whether whatever genitals you have, whatever vanilla or kinky sex you have, whatever furniture you need for the ability of your body, they have it. And the idea is really let's support our bodies to find the utmost amount of pleasure. And if your body, if your clitoris is like, I like a bullet. And another woman's clitoris is like, I like that big, powerful Hitachi one. <laughs> like, like there's something for everyone. It's finding what's great for your body. Use code modern. Go to adamandeve.com and you get free shipping. And they have the bullets and they have little butterflies. They got it all. Remember, that's adamandeve.com. Use code word MODERN, M-O-D-E-R-N at checkout. Get that 50% off plus free shipping and three bonus items and six movies for free. And remember, Adam and Eve is such a great resource. They have everything. They have books. They have clothing. They have role-playing items. They have so much stuff, a ton of stuff, and you can get 50% off almost anything online at adamandeve.com. Remember that code word modern, get that discount, save a little money, have a little fun. I think it's finding what's right for you. And so, I mean, the beauty of going shopping, especially with a discount, is you can buy a bunch of things and then, you know, trial and error, have a box of toys to play with. (laughs) Well, 
that's uh, something that I've always, you know, thought was a little bit like I've never played with a toy with my husband. Although, no, I take that back. We have. He has. He likes it. He he loves the fact that we have toys in the bedroom. I have a lot of friends whose husbands do not. And so I find that, you know, I'm glad that my husband's really open into, you know, whatever pleases me. He's all about that. He loves the fact that, um, you know, whatever, whatever I like, he likes. And um, that's that's what gets him uh, excited. It's great. It's great that he's not scared of the toys during your partner sex. You know, you just said that about some some men sometimes are intimidated by those toys. I mean, just coming back to this narrative again, oftentimes the narrative is it's not intimate enough if we have a toy, right? Catch that narrative. Yeah. Or it's not, um, I'm not, I don't do it for you. My tongue, fingers, penis don't do it for you. You need a toy, right? That's not a useful narrative either, right? We need you know, some extra support with a toy, right? Our food doesn't always do it for us. So we take vitamin D and zinc and other supplements because our nutrients are diluted in the current state of soil on our land, right? So a lot of people take supplements to supplement the nutrients we're just not getting from our veggies and fruits. So having a supplement of a toy because the sensation of whatever we're doing with a partner isn't quite enough for our bodies doesn't mean the partner isn't enough. It means our bodies need a different type of sensation and arousal. And the toy is a supplement that helps us get there. And I guess arousal is the key word. You're listening to Modern Pleasure. And I believe that we have somebody on the phone who might have a question. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Who's this? Quinlan. Hi, Quinlan. What is your definition of normal sex out of curiosity? What is normal? I don't even know what normal is anymore. I'm older. So, uh, you know, it's like normal is different than it was when I was in my 20s. You know, a lot has happened. (laughs) (laughs) Things happen. (laughs) Normal is where you are right now. Who you are and what you are and what you need. That's normal. We've been talking about the narrative of good sex and how uh, I think that is the biggest problem for us. My husband thinks that it has everything to do with him. And I, mm-hmm. and I try to tell him that it has nothing to do with you. You know, it's it got nothing to do with his being attractive or, or you know, desirable in any way. It's that I have you no know, desire. Here, I have no libido and it's got nothing to do with him. It's hard for him to understand that. So there's a lot of guilt surrounding that. There's no spontaneous desire. But what happens, Quinlan, if he kisses your neck and slowly takes off your clothes and starts to kiss your whole body? What happens then? Well, that never happens. That for, for us. Well, that might be a problem. Well, yeah, there, that's, that's, but you know what? That's not his fault. That's my fault because I don't want that. And I don't know why. I feel like I can't shut my brain off. You know, I can't shut. I have so much going on in my life that I feel like I can't shut my brain off and I can't accept that 
and it feels weird to me. It feels odd to me, I guess. It's interesting because we were just talking about how the brain is your biggest sex organ and that Mm. pretty much everything uh, happens or does not happen because of it. Well, makes sense. There's been times where we'll be in the middle and all I'm thinking about is what I got to do after. You know, it's like, okay, uh, how much longer is this going to go? Because uh, after this, I got to take care of kids. I got to do put laundry in the dryer. I got to, you know, and it's hard to say in the in the moment. And it feels and it's horrible, and I try not to do that, but it it kind of just happens that way. And and I know in reality, I know like logically that that's not a good place to be. But here's the thing: I don't even have the desire to even pleasure myself. Like I have. I have some toys. Oh, Quinlan, that's stuff. just sad. It is, right? It is. Uh, it's, we it's don't want to shame her. It's, <laughs> oh, it's, okay. I'm sorry, Quinlan. I didn't mean to shame you. Well, you know, <laughs> it is. It's like I don't even have the desire to even do that. And I used to. But for reasons, I feel like I have all of these all these medical things that have happened to me that I've kind of stacked on top of that and on top of that. So now... The sex life is basically I, I give it up for him because it helps him out. <laughs> so I'm the sacrificial lamb. I'm like, okay, you got three minutes and you're on the clock and it starts now. Oh yeah, you know, I know that one. That's, yeah, basically that's our sex life. There's a lot here to unpack and it's probably too much for this episode because I hear a lot of different <laughs> factors. But my biggest curiosity, I'll say, is this: there is a part of you. Maybe not all of you, but a part of you that that doesn't want to open to even the possibility of pleasure mm. with yourself, right? With the toy, with yourself, with your fingers, with a toy, with a bathtub faucet, right? There isn't, you know, there isn't that possibility, mm-hmm. and there isn't the possibility with your husband. And the and the question to unpack with yourself, and maybe just go for a few walks and think through it. Talk to this part of yourself, right? Why? What is what is the fear of opening up to the possibility of pleasure? What will be there if I do that? Mm. I don't know. I don't well, you, know. Was you pleasure know. okay growing up? Or was there a message that it was dangerous? Because oftentimes we repress and don't allow ourselves to open up to the possibility of pleasure because it's dangerous. It might be dangerous oh. because we might be perceived as a slut or we might be dangerous because our parents told us we're going to get raped if we do, or it might be dangerous because religion said it was dangerous or bad girls oh. are only, you know, embodied in their pleasure, right? There's so many different narratives that block us from allowing ourselves to open up to that possibility of pleasure. Right. Well, you know, what's crazy is in my, in my life, I'm actually, a bit of a daredevil. I don't mind doing daredevil kind of stuff. But when it comes to these kinds of things, I didn't grow up into a I didn't grow up in a very openly where we talk about sex or even when, when it came time to even talk about it, it was like my parents gave me this this cartoony kind of illustrated book. It was like, here you go and I was raised Catholic and so I went to Catholic school and, and that kind of thing and it was like all my sexual experiences, as far as before I met my husband, were for all the wrong reasons. And it was a lot of promiscuity from the standpoint of it wasn't 
It was to find love and it was to fill a void where my dad wasn't. Why is that the wrong reason? All the the activities, you're labeling them as promiscuous and for the wrong reasons. That is that is what teenagers do in puberty. They explore their mm. arousal. They do it for the sake of validation. They do it for the sake of attention. They do it for a relationship. They do it because they're horny. Everything you're saying is normal. See, and it wasn't labeled that, you know? Well, maybe look you at, labeled it at, that way. Well, no, but think about Think about in school, and this was in my 20s, because I, I, I didn't lose my virginity until I was older, and it wasn't by choice. It was kind of, it should have, it was it was a very sad situation, what happened to me, but but I don't want to go into it. But, but he, um, back in those days, though, back in the 80s, whatever, late 80s, it was like if you were that way, and I wasn't in high school, and I never went out with someone, guys in high school, because they're a bunch of blabbermouths. But it, you were labeled a slut or you were labeled, you know, and that was the way it is. And still, you kind of feel, kind of feel that way now. I think it's now. Looking back, I wish that I would have owned it. I wish I would have owned it all. Quinlan, you can. Right? Here's, yeah. here's your answer. You just found it. I just asked you, what is blocking you from opening up to the possibility of pleasure? And I'm hearing your answer be, because then I'd be labeled promiscuous. I'm that mm. slut who opens myself to pleasure, right? Good girls don't do that. Versus I'm an autonomous embodied woman. Pleasure is my birthright. I'm allowed to open to this possibility of pleasure. Maybe I'll have an orgasm. Maybe I won't. Don't worry about it. But I can open to the possibility of it. Right. Right. That's really interesting. I like uh, that. What what did you just say? Now I lost my train of thought. Thank you, menopause. You said, oh, I hate it when that happens. Okay, so I'll, 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 I'll do it again, right? What I'm hearing, Quinlan, and it's so common, it's so normal to participate in the narrative that often comes from religion and society that if I have desire, if I dress a certain way, if I if I have activities of, of sexual exploration, I am promiscuous, right? That's a pretty damning word. Or mm-hmm. something wrong with me, I'm a slut. That's also a damning word versus I'm curious and explorative. And that's normal in puberty and it's normal in your 20s and it's normal in your 60s and 80s, right? And, and, and that's that's who we are as humans. That what that's what makes us human is that we actually are pleasure seeking humans. And and so the, but there's a lot of messages that say that pleasure is dangerous. So now we're going to de- right. we're gonna describe pleasure as promiscuous. We're going to describe pleasure as slutty. So if you if you hear that narrative, you can say I don't need to participate in that narrative anymore. It's obsolete. It doesn't serve me. It doesn't serve my marriage. It doesn't serve my guilt. It doesn't serve the three minutes we try to have sex, right? It doesn't serve me. But you know what would serve me? Owning the fact that pleasure is your birthright, that yeah. I have the possibility of pleasure, that I can enjoy when my husband kisses my neck and takes off my clothes and kisses the whole of my body and see if my body responds and enjoys that sensation. And it won't be familiar at first. It'll be awkward. And weird at first because it's not familiar. You're going to have to tell your body, yeah, that's okay. That also normal is that this is unfamiliar. And we're going to have to develop some familiarity with this practice. And once we do, it's going to feel more familiar. 
and more pleasurable. Yeah. I, I well, think and- what you said was pleasure is my birthright. That's what stuck struck a chord with me. And you're right. Yeah. You know, we there is and there should not be any reason why we shouldn't feel like we deserve sexual pleasure, sensual pleasure, Men whatever do. it is. That's the problem. Men do. Men do. That's a narrative too. Not yeah. all men do. <laughs> that's a narrative. That's a, that's fake news. <laughs> men men think they can do do whatever you know. And most men that I, it's like why why was there always a double standard? You never heard. You know, guys go, you know, do whatever and girls will label, you know. So many narratives. And it's so interesting that I think when I'm looking back now at the first, you know, question, what is normal sex? Well, I I think that it really is defective upon the narrative. And that's what we're talking about today is that I, I think what we believe isn't necessarily true and uh that's what we've been told that's what we've been taught that's what we've learned throughout our life and i don't think it what i've learned today is it's not necessarily a woman thing it's a man thing too it's it's not female it's not just female it's a human thing thank you dr schuyler it is and what's normal and what's normal for you isn't going to be well and I say normal in a quotation mark, by the way, because what is normal, but what's normal for you isn't going to be normal for me because everyone's got their own thing. Whatever they enjoy doing is going to be your thing. And for like all different kinds of people, you know, and I think also part of my problem too is that, and God, I, I love my husband dearly. We've been together for 31 years. So, you know, it's a long time, but I am married to a man that, had had no experience like had no experience coming in so i didn't have this this great thing where i had you know all kinds of teachers it wasn't like hey let me teach you stuff but those are you things know? that can be changed i mean right dr skyler like because i want to go down on you and i'm like so you don't know how to do it right <laughs> Wait, Dr. Jenny, get your vulva. I wish you could see this, Quinlan, because this is what everybody needs is a is a vulva pillow. You won't see the visual of the vulva pillow, but Quinlan, you know, your what you will like in oral sex in your 30s may change in your 60s. So even if he had all the right skill sets for you in your 30s, he might have to learn something new in your 60s. And my point mm-hmm. in that is, even if he had zero lovers or 100, your unique body is going to want whatever it needs. And so, yes, you do have to be the teacher of that. You do need to tell right. him, slow down, you know, don't jump to the genitals. You know, I like the three S's, slow, soft, subtle, right? Mm-hmm. I like end of the whole body before we go to the genitals and then when we go to the genitals i like to do the outer labia the inner labia don't don't just jump to that clitoris yet tease it right and then when you get there slow soft subtle maybe have a finger inside your vagina while he's licking he can have a finger inside lubed up right while he's licking lightly on your clitoris those are skills that he can learn and and yes do we have to communicate what we need for our bodies sure you have to be your body's advocate your neighbor isn't going to be yeah. the advocate for your body. You need to be. Right. 
Right. And Quinlan, you know, I challenge you to maybe, you know, uh, start the neck kissing and see what happens. Yeah. I'm not a... (laughs) I'm not a neck person. I won't let him near it. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm I'm weird. It's it's your brain. It, you've 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 got a blockage there. I think. Or try the ear. You know, if you don't want the neck, try the ear. You know, you could try something else. Try the try ear. The, try the shoulder. Yeah, the ears work. Ears and We're, neck are out. I don't know. Start the ear. Don't go near the ear. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I just um, if it was going to be either or. The neck would be the choice, but I don't do. I don't know why. What about so, shoulder? How about shoulder? I I give that a shot. <laughs> okay, good. Or the lips. What if he nibbles on your lips? Oh, a lip nibbler. I like yeah. that idea. The lip nib, nib lip. What if, what if he looks into your eyes and caresses your cheek? Love it. <laughs> okay, I think we scored. Okay, there yeah. you go. Notice as he looks into your eyes and he caresses your cheek, right? The subtlety of sensual intimacy, right? What mm-hmm. happens to your body? Do you let that pleasure in? Do you, does your body start to get a little more electric? Does it turn on a little right. bit? Does it does it become more alive? Notice that. Follow that lead. Yeah. Make more eye contact. Yeah. That's where you guys start. Great. Well, Quinlan, I'm glad that you called in. I hope that this was a little enlightening for you. It was. It was. Good. I feel like I, um, I feel like I need um, therapy to get this brain unlocked. (laughs) Well, I happen to know a good one. (laughs) And I'm inviting to talk to them because uh, I feel like my brain is my biggest problem. Well, you've been talking to her. Dr. Jenny Schuyler is an expert on this, so I would... Dr. Jenny, thank you. I I really do appreciate what you're saying, and and I think the whole promiscuous thing, that really resonated with me, you know, and I get it, and and you're absolutely right about the whole thing, and uh, I appreciate that. That was interesting to get that out, say that out loud. Yeah. Well, I I appreciate the call, and I hope that things work out and that you find some you. Uh, pleasurable satisfaction soon. And we may have to uh, revisit this, Quinlan. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Okay, thanks, okay. thanks for calling. Thank you. That was interesting. Anybody who's listening today, I hope that you got out of it what I did, which was... Um, a very enlightening experience for me. I, I'm excited to go on this journey with you, uh, Dr. Schuyler, because I think uh, by the time we get to the 12th episode, um, things might be really, really going well for my husband and I. <laughs> and we may even have to get him on the, on the show at one point. We'll see if we can't drag him in here because that could be a really fun conversation. If you have a question for Dr. Schuyler, send me an email, kim at modernpleasurepodcast.com, and make sure you put your contact info in there, and we will be sure to answer it. Actually, Dr. Schuyler will be sure to answer it. Next episode, we're going to be talking about obligatory sex, which kind of Quinlan sort of touched on that like she feels like she has to do that and I totally get that too so that's going to be a fun conversation 
um, looking forward to that. Getting out of, I think that the key piece is extracting ourselves from obligatory sex. That's a huge piece. So extracting ourselves from obligatory sex. Okay. Yeah. All right. That, we don't, that, who wants to have obligatory sex? Well, I don't think anybody does, but I think it happens a lot. <laughs> want to thank our sponsors, Adam and Eve. And remember to go to adamandeve.com, get 50% off any item and free shipping. There's a ton of stuff on there, but that's not all. You also get three bonus items. So go on there and check it out and see, plus six free movies. And this is an exclusive offer for anyone who's listening to Modern Pleasure right now, 50% off. Go to adamandeve.com, use that code word modern at checkout and get some cool stuff. Get some really interesting stuff, informative stuff. They're a great resource with books and all kinds of really great items. And they have something for everyone. They have something for every level. And it doesn't matter what you choose, all packaged, uh, discreetly sent to you. Nobody will know. Thank you, uh, Dr. Jenny Schuyler, for um, joining me today. And I'm excited to uh, move on with our next episode and see where this all takes us. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you again for joining us. We'll see you next time.